Today's passage is Genesis three fourteen through 24, and I will start by reading the passage. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel." To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand, and take also from the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Well, the passage today has spawned debates, launched university courses, and resulted in libraries full of theology books. We see the beginning of God's plan for triumph over evil through the work of Jesus Christ. You'll have to study out the full implications of verse 15 on your own. I can't possibly tackle it here. But instead, let's consider what God thinks. The changes from sin relates to both Jago's talk about identity and the upcoming talk about relationships. The two really are intertwined. Now, yesterday we heard about how Adam and Eve's decision to follow the serpent's advice instead of God's command changed their relationship with God but it did not end it. That's because even though we may stumble, God is constant. Hebrews 13 verse 8 reminds us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The consequences of sin affected the four areas Jago spoke of Sunday, our relationship with God, our relationships with one another, our relationship to ourselves, and our relationship with the world. Josh spoke yesterday of the effect on the human relationship with the Almighty. Verse 16 today talks about the relationship between Adam and Eve. There's a shift in the nature of their partnership. Verse 17 shows that the relationship between people and the world is now unbalanced. Adam has to work hard in a creation that is broken and gives reluctantly. Verse 22 shows that our inward relationship is also now skewed. We can see ourselves like God, desiring to reach out our hand from our own initiative, ignoring Him. God did us a courtesy driving us out of the garden after the fall. If we sinned but then had access to the tree of life, we'd have to live in this broken world eternally. That's frightening. Instead, we look forward to an eternal healing of these relationships thanks to the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We might skim through these verses and see only gloom and doom, death, destruction, cursing, and striving. But Isaiah 61 says God promises beauty from ashes, 
and the continuing story of our lives, yours and mine, is that God always delivers. Whatever we see on the surface, at its heart, God's story is always good news. Here's something on that from Canadian pastor Clark Dixon. Four things Adam and Eve could say if they looked at the big picture. One, we are still here. Death is now a fact of life, but didn't happen immediately. Adam and Eve had long lives in which to grow in relationship to God, to the earth, to one another, and to their own hearts. They set the stage for the rest of us. Two, God is still with us. Their relationship with Him was intact and full of possibilities. Three, there are signs of grace for us. Although death is now part of their existence, life comes after the fall in the form of Cain, Abel, and later Seth. Four, we have opportunities. God has a plan and allowed Adam and Eve and the rest of us to take part in that plan. And His plans are good. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. God called Adam and Eve into being for His purpose. They turned away from Him, but He showed them mercy and grace. God has called you and me into being, also for His purpose. And although we sometimes turn away from Him, we get to turn back, we get to repent, and He's quick to turn back to us, forgiving and restoring. At closing, let's stay with these four points. We are still here. God is still with us. There is grace for us. There are possibilities. Let's view these encouragements in light of Jesus' work on the cross. If we stumble into sin today, small or big, Jesus is still there. He is with us, filling us with life, giving us grace, and providing opportunities to grow in His likeness.